Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hello and welcome to Newsweek's Parting Shot, your dose of everything pop culture. I'm H. Allen Scott. On Monday, May the 2nd, Politico reported on a leak suggesting the Supreme Court is preparing to overturn Roe v. Wade the decision that protects the right to abortion access across the United States. The implications of that decision would be vast and, frankly, way more than we cover in this show. But the leak did get me thinking about how abortion and women's health care in general is handled on TV and in film. I'm thinking about that iconic Maud episode or the film Obvious Child and so many other examples. What impact does the depiction of abortion and entertainment have on public opinion? To answer this question, I spoke with Phoebe Bronstein, Associate Teaching Professor and Director of UCSD's Sixth College Culture, Art, and Technology Program. She's a TV historian. So go on, grab a snack, because I'll be right back. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Whoa, sweet man cave. Thanks. Serious upgrade. How'd you pay for all this? I got a home equity line of credit from Figure. I was approved in five minutes and had funding in five days. Wow, that fast and easy? Yep, the application is 100% online, plus no out-of-pocket costs, just fast access to the cash you need. How do I get started? Go to figure.com and get that serious upgrade. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. In 1973, the Supreme Court ruled on a case called Roe v. Wade. Jane Roe, the plaintiff, was actually a pseudonym for a woman named Norma McCorvey, a Texan mother of two who sought an abortion during her third pregnancy. At the time, procuring an abortion was illegal in the state of Texas. But the Supreme Court ruled in Norma's favor, albeit after three years of litigation, at which point Norma had already had the child and placed it up for adoption. But by issuing that decision, the Supreme Court made abortion access a protected right throughout the country. On Monday, May 2nd, Politico leaked a supposed draft of a forthcoming Supreme Court decision that would overturn Roe v. Wade. Doing that would immediately make abortion illegal in 13 states, with a dozen or so probably following after. The implications of that happening are vast and potentially devastating for low-income women, women of color, and women who suffer from housing insecurity. We'll know more in the coming weeks, but experts expect that this will in fact happen considering the makeup of the court. Now, this is not a political show, and we're not going to try to be, but I am interested in how abortion is depicted on TV and in film. It's often a very special episode, especially if it's a comedy series like Maud, or as of lately, it's handled pretty matter-of-factly, like on Scandal. To go over all this, I spoke with TV historian Phoebe Bronstein about how abortion is shown in entertainment and what impact those portrayals have on public opinion. So when everything happened, 
you know, with the Supreme Court's the leaked document from the Supreme Court, I for me, you know, I often turn to sort of television and film and sort of how that shapes sort of the narrative of these conversations. And Phoebe, you wrote a fantastic article on abortion on television and film, basically, a couple of years ago. And I immediately emailed you being like, let's have a conversation. <laughs> so I wanted to know, you know, how how do you think portrayals of abortion on television or film um, impact sort of public opinion in a way? I mean, thank you for calling that article fantastic, personally. Um, but, you know, what I so I, for some context, like I wrote that article and I was pregnant with my daughter and I was moving from Georgia where abortions, the context surrounding abortion was a little bit scarier to California, back to California. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think like these rep- representation, you know, like, I'm a television history scholar and my, you know, one of the things I say to students all the time is like representations matter. They frame the way we see, the way we interpret, the way we understand the world and think about ourselves and the opportunities available to us. And so I think, you know, television and popular culture, it's like a, it's a mirror of, you know, where we are. I remember reading like years ago, you know, a media scholar thinking, talking about it, like, and kind of like take the temperature of a moment by looking at the media landscape. And so I think, you know, these kinds of the lack of representations of abortion yeah. um, and the different ways in which it is, when it is represented, discussed on television, you know, gives us, and film, which is a sort of different context, but, you know, still like gives us a idea of like how we can exist in the world and how we can negotiate you know, the opportunities and options available to, available to us. And like with abortion, so often there's like some sort of morality attached to it. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I think like for me, it's why like that scandal episode mm-hmm. from a few years back really struck me is that it was just a decision. Yeah. It, and it wasn't discussed. She doesn't discuss it with anybody. She makes a private decision. She goes and gets an abortion. We see the procedure and then, and then that's it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that was, it was so remarkable to me because I hadn't seen something like that before, no. I guess. I don't know if that really answered your question. No, it does. It does. And it makes, well, first off, I mean, I love your title as just sort of a historian of television, because that is like my ultimate, <laughs> that's my <laughs> ultimate dream. I would love that job. I mean, I love my current job, but enough, <laughs> I, that is a, that is a perfect job for me. Um, but it's true. And it really, I mean, just on my personal side, like I remember watching Ellen's coming out episode and how impactful that was for me and how, you know, I was just this kid in Missouri who had no real access, you know, a Mormon kid in Missouri had no access to sort of that information. And then it just sort of blew up my world in a really positive way. But then of course I couldn't talk to anyone about it. And it's, and, and television has that impact of sort of being the friend of that you can talk to about it because you can't yes. talk to about it with anyone else. Yeah. And it got me thinking about sort of the portrayals of abortion on television. And of course there's like the famous Maud episode, which is, you know, iconic. And, you know, it, I, I, even in younger generations, I feel like kind of maybe know about this sort of from their parents. Cause it is, it was a, it was sort of the first big, you know, dramatic, even though it was a comedy series portrayal of abortion on television. What impact do you think, 
did that have in sort of how abortion is shown on television? Um, I mean, I think so. There was like one other. Um, it's like a Defenders episode, like mm. before, like it's like ten or fifteen years before that mod episode. But you don't. It's like not the main character. It's like a legal case about an abortion. But I think that like, I mean, like in terms of impact, I'm not sure. But namely because my dissertation chair was like, never talk about causality. Um, but oh. like, <laughs> but she, you, but, but, I, but I think that like you know because there's so many factors and audience like even though television at that juncture was like broadcasting to a national audience and an imagined national audience like that doesn't account for all the different kinds of reactions or interpretations that you would have like among yeah. diverse sets of humans watching that episode but I think in a lot of ways it sort of speaks to what I said of like it it's sort of revealing of like a, a shift that was beginning right it's like coming at this sort of at the same time as Roe versus Wade almost and the sort of beginnings of a change on like a federal policy surrounding privacy and women's right to choose Mm -hmm. um, and control over our bodies. And I think that like that, there is that like sort of, like you can see that, right? And in that, that episode was made and put on network television in primetime, which is historically the most conservative space of television. Yeah. And, there, you know, versus like soap operas, which had like talked about abortion previously, but daytime television was, you know, in like that period, particularly like still a space that had like, like was far more progressive than primetime. Interesting. Um, in part because of who the imagined viewers were, which were primarily women. Yeah. Um, so you also had more women writers in daytime, like you had more what would have been controversial topics. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think too, like Mod, what's so interesting about Mod is like that idea of broadcasting this episode. And you know, it's Norman Lear, it's like part of the sort of all in the family grouping of yeah. shows that were like m- conceived of as like humor that was boundary pushing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that like, there's, it definitely, I think re- reveals the sort of moment. Uh, and in, in this moment of television was like, um, it's like this move towards what a lot of like TV scholars will call like sort of socially relevant TV. There was like this dumping of all these like more conservative, sort of not even conservative, but like quote unquote nuclear family kind of oriented shows towards like things that spoke to a younger generation. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also, I mean, Maude is supposed to be like 47, you know, she's yeah. a grandma when she has this abortion, like it's not, I think, and there's a lot of like sort of hand wringing that goes into it, a lot of like mm-hmm. uh, emotional, you know, conversation. And so I think it like, it's just at the age part is interesting. The like um, layers to it. They're really, yeah. and that's something that, that stands out to me in, and just thinking about the shows that I shows that I've watched that have sort of shown or talked about abortion or really, let's just say women's health care in general. And yeah. women, women's health care is often I mean, I feel like the male storyline, if, if you go through the, the sort of gender binary, like the male storyline is, oh, he doesn't want to go to the doctor or he's not eating right. Or it's like, you know, I'm thinking of like the Cosby show with like, you know, the the wife always sort of getting him to eat healthy. And it was that sort of that's how they talk about male health care. And with women's health care, it's often very delicate or she has to be ushered to the doctor or it has to. It's a very special episode. And I, I want to know if you think the portrayal of abortion and or women's health care on television, it, it 
can it be harmful in some ways? Can it be sort of it telling, can it be setting standards that necessarily aren't accurate and thus sort of feed into, I guess, a sexist narrative of how women receive healthcare? You know, right before we jumped on, I, you know, UCSF has this database of like um, the searchable database of like abortion, basically in popular media. Oh, wow. Super cool. Um, But I did like, you can select your search terms. So I selected like positive health outcome and American television. And there were four, I think to five, like there were not a lot of options, like, um, and a lot of the sort of, and then I did a variety of other kind of searches and a lot of the sort of representations of abortion are like past abortion. Um, and I was reading an article yesterday by Tanya Melendez. I think it was in, uh, what was it? It was in like a uh, box, I think. Hmm. Um, that was, she sort of breaks down like the three tropes and they were like, kind of, I'm going to have an abortion, but oh, now I've had a miscarriage. So we don't have to have this conversation, which of course is like the issue surrounding miscarriage, I think. And like some the six week ban in Texas, like yeah. is really scary because often you you might miscarry after six weeks. It creates a sort of potential to criminalize yeah. like your body just sort of deciding it's not, you know, it's not time. Yeah. Um, there's the like, I was going to have an abortion, but yay. Now I had the baby and I'm happy I made that choice. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she talks about the sort of like both sides that like create um the like converse, like at sort of position. She talks about like a party of five episode from the nineties. And I totally watched party of five. So this resonated with me <laughs> about like, those are both sides that like everybody gets to weigh in. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, like, and I was like, Oh, I have seen all of these representations. And I, I think they can be really harmful. I think, again, they sort of shut down the potential to imagine different possibilities for ourselves. And I think that's why like scandal or like, I think I wrote two about the, I'm watching sex education right now, which is British, but like, you know, available on Netflix in the U S and the, one of the like greatest characters, uh, it's like maybe five episodes in three episodes into Mm -hmm. this series, um, winds up pregnant and she just goes and gets an abortion and her friend walks her home and like, that's it. Yeah. And it's like, you see sort of this like duo of abortion protesters outside um, and inside there are all these like really beautiful moments of like a mom who's coming to get an abortion because yeah. she doesn't want another child. And so it gives you this sort of more complex representation of like, this is just, a, it's, it doesn't have to be this like hand wringing. It doesn't have to be this, like, you're going to debate what I should do with my body as if both sides have equal weight. Um, and so I do, I mean, I do think like as a long roundabout way to answer your question, like that, I do think it's can be really harmful. And I think that those representations matter in like, you know, having an ability to make choices for ourselves that are also outside of like, like a lot of sort of morality around abortion has to do with like a Christian framework and like this production of shame associated with it. And that's, and control and this shame associated with sex. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I don't know that I just, I do think it can be really harmful. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I I can, I I see what you're saying. And I think, I mean, in just in terms of 
how the story is often played out on television. I'm thinking of, you know, there's an episode of Roseanne where she gets pregnant. It's very similar to the Maude episode and or she thinks she's pregnant and they're all she's thinking she might want to keep the baby. Dan's thinking we, they can't afford another baby. And there's and it seems like everyone's weighing in. And then in the end, she winds up not being pregnant. And it's sort of like, OK, well, that was a pointless episode. Like, it was, <laughs> you know, it was kind of like what happened. But, but yeah. another but another episode of television that I think where the characters, the character that we know makes a decision that is completely opposite of what I think that character normally would make is in sex in the city in the episode where Miranda gets pregnant oh, and, yeah. and she, she's very, she goes the most of the episode. It's very matter of fact, she's going to get an abortion. It was, so this was an accident and she's going to have an abortion. And they talk about Carrie's abortion and they it's, it's handled in a, I think for the majority of the episode, it's handled in a very sort of direct matter of fact way with the exception of, of uh, Charlotte's reaction, which is sort of shocked and upset. And why would you do this? And all of that. But then at the end of the episode, Miranda decides to keep the baby, which for, I mean, in watching the series, even though I'm a big sex in the city fan and I love Miranda's storyline, it's felt very much unlike a Miranda decision to be able to, to keep the child, you know, cause she would be one that would just matter of factly go get an abortion. And I, I wonder if, if you think that, that maybe that recent portrayals, that newer portrayals of abortion on television since that episode of Sex in the City, which was early aughts, has changed in a more nuanced way, like you said about sex or the sex education series, yeah. different portrayals happening now. I mean, I do think like there, I mean, I'm seeing, I like, you know, I think in some way level, it's telling that like, I'm still surprised when I see a representation of abortion that doesn't feel like it fits into one of those three categories, yeah. you know, um, and that allows it for it to be like a private matter of fact decision. I mean, that also doesn't fit into that narrative of like the somehow motherhood is like the ultimate destination. Um, And I think that that, you know, like, like scandal is interesting for that. I think like, you know, I was reading yesterday too. It was like the, a lot of these representations are like often, you know, it'll be a young woman who's like, I'm just not ready or my social circumstances don't allow me to do this. It's often women who don't yet have kids, but like in reality, that's not, a huge swath of the women who are seeking out abortions or in need of them. Um, Right. It's a far, it's like diverse, um, different ages, different social circumstances. Some have kids, some don't, you know, like there's, it's a far more like, if you look through like, you know, uh, like Kimberly Crenshaw, it calls like that sort of prism of intersectionality. Mm -hmm. Like we don't see that in television. Yeah, I think starting to, like I read a list yesterday, but it was like of like, abortions that take place in television and it's like you know it's a one-off like sort of for every not not every type of person but for like more diverse than like what we might have seen 10 years ago five years ago even Mm -hmm. um but I do think like in like scandal you know I keep coming back to that because it's like right she's successful she's well off she's she's the lead of a show it's really show she's this like complex like cool badass character and the that we don't have to go through that decision process with her that it is private yeah it is really powerful and that it's like and I think I wrote about this in the KQED article that like 
because she's, we assume that she's pregnant via the president of the United States, because that's who she's having this relationship with. There's like this potential to read it as like the federal government has no place in this decision. Yeah. Sort of like emblem is like not present. And well, I and think that she's a black woman getting a, yeah. which is something that I can't even think of another time on television I've seen. No, I can't either. And I think that's, you know, it's, and she doesn't have to explain herself. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that is really powerful mm-hmm. um, and really like beautiful on some level of like seeing this like super powerful, really complex character who's a black woman who like just is able to have access. Mm-hmm. And on. Yeah. And takes the agency and just gets on with her job. And it, I think in, in, you know, even the comedy of the comedy series that have tackled abortion, they've always been sort of, it's a, like I said, a very special episode, you know, this week is a very special episode and the music slows down and everything kind of becomes a dramedy and, 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 and on scandal, it clearly was, it's a drama. So it, they, they have the agency to be able to sort of tell it in a sort of more nuanced way. But in terms of comedies, it's, there is different portrayals. I mean, I'm thinking back to there's a line on Veep where she says something like, if men got pregnant, you could get an abortion at an ATM. And <laughs> which is like, I mean, it's 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 funny, but there's also some there's some there's some probably some truth to that. And it's so comedies have definitely taken on abortion. I'm thinking of the film Obvious Child, which you also write about in, in your article and where comedies have portrayed abortion in sort of not the very special episode ways that they've definitely gone through the path of using humor to tell a story about abortion. And I wanted to know if you think, is there a moment where, where maybe it goes too far, you think, or like, I mean, cause it is, it is, I mean, I think it is probably like a, it's a, it's a big decision to make to get an abortion, but it's cause it can't, it's not, you can't make it like flippantly, I guess, but like, is, can you go too far in comedy? Do you think? I mean, I think broadly one can often go too far in comedy, but, but yeah. I think, you know, into ways that are like, you know, can be vi- like, I think humor can be violent mm-hmm. um, certainly and used as a weapon kind of a violence. But I think in terms of abortion, I think, it, I mean, it just, dep- it depends who's talking, you know, and it depends on from what experience they're drawing. Like I, I came across yesterday. Um, I was like, I want to see this stand up, um, but Alison Levy has a show it's like a stand-up show in New York and it's like, Oh God, a show about abortion. Yeah. Right. Like, um, and I watched like a little clip of her talking about it. And I think, you know, I think one of the things humor has the potential to do is like create conversation and also destigmatize. And I think ultimately like this sort of like the most radical representations I've seen of abortion are the ones that are like hyper normal. Where it's like, nor it's it has this like push towards normalizing. And I think humor you effectively can do that with humor and to sort of take some of the like weight in some way off. Um, but you know, I think it, it. But again, I think it fully depends on like who is speaking and and um, how it's. Yeah, I mean, I think humor has a wonderful way. I mean, for me, you see a comedian, and oftentimes like you're just glad you don't live their life because they're telling their life in a certain way that you're like, 
you can relate to it, but you're also glad you're not them. And it's and it helps that conversation. It helps you start thinking about different topics and different things. And it's I think it's really fascinating when, you know, a show like, you know, what, what was it called? Oh, oh, God, it's 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 abortion. Oh, yeah. It's uh, oh, God, a show about abortion. Yeah. Go, go. I mean, even that title alone is going to make me want to know more about that. Right. show. And it's yeah. it starts. It makes you think about it in kind of a different way, I guess. Yeah. And I think that, you know, I mean, I think um, around the time I wrote the piece on abortion, I also wrote about um, like pregnancy and popular media. Um, and I think like it was around that same time that like Ali Wong's first yes. special came out and he was um, very pregnant, very pregnant. And like, it came out and I was like that pregnant at the time that it came out. And so I very much identified. Um, but I think too, like it, you know, there's something about right? Like all these narratives that surround pregnancy and then tether it to abortion that like somehow it is has to be this kind of like joyous glowing time. Women's bodies become even more public when you're pregnant. You know, people like say strange things to you. They try to touch you. Yeah. Um, right. And it's like, there's like a sort of prescriptive happiness. I think that is attached to it with again, that like destination that like somehow motherhood is the ultimate marriage, mm-hmm. motherhood, or these ultimate destinations, the accumulation of your life experiences. And like, you know, I'm a mom, yeah. like, but I'm also other things. Yeah. And I you're like, a badass professor, you're a historian, you're like, you do all of these things. Like it's, you're not defined by the one thing that medically happened to you. Right. And I think that that, and I think it's, you know, it's true. It's like the sense that like, there's, there's sort of decoupling, like, those narratives from pregnancy, from abortion, like they're all about controlling, you know, the sort of they're prescriptive. They're about controlling women's bodies. Um, And I think, you know, so I do think they do harm. And I think the more we see like Ali Wong, you know, rocking like that cheetah leopard print dress, you know, and like, you know, Amy Schumer had a comedy special where she was pregnant too. Like, I think like all these things are like sort of tethered together in terms of like conversations around sexuality, around pregnancy, around abortion, around like how one is supposed to feel at any of these given moments. And so I think really normalizing like diverse and divergent experiences. Yeah. Um, it's like in, you know, television as like a medium, like in the early days, it was like expressly supposed to teach you things like the, it was envisioned, you know, creepily perhaps as this like pedagogical force. It was going to like teach how to be like white middle-class heterosexual American citizens yep. and like the proper behavior, the proper things to buy, like that would inform how you were viewed in the world. And like, and so I think, you know, if you, you think about it like that, like it also has the potential to teach radical lessons. And like, there were, there've always been moments in TV that like poked at those and like made those possibilities sort of open up and they were often then like covered over. And so like the puppy episode is a really good example. I think of like kind of the backlash that she then faced and like that the show was canceled shortly thereafter. Um, But I do think that like, it is, television has this like possibility to open up Mm -hmm. space for all of us. Yeah. And it's, I mean, 
I often joke with my friends that like I get uh, growing up from the puppy episode, and I'm sure it's very similar with how women in general are portrayed on television, but how women's healthcare is portrayed on, on television that, that, you know, there's, it's always like a very special moment where the person has to come out and it's dramatic or the queer person <laughs> has to have some sort of either tragedy or, you know, conversely, they have to be like a special person in the mix of the thing. And to me, I'm always like, I just want to see a gay person. And pardon me for being frank. I just want to see a queer person sometimes being an asshole. Well, I think that's, um, I, you know, a lot of people like in TV history and like in TV studies and media studies, like we talk a lot about like the problems of and the burden of positive representation. Yeah. You know, like really like we're not like I'm thinking about um, Kristen Werner's work. She uh, is a professor in Alabama and um, works a lot on like casting and black representation. And I remember like hearing her talk and being like, you know, it's about, we're looking for complexity, mm-hmm. like not positivity. Right. And it's like, I don't when you were talking, it made me think that like, I just watched, um, I was flying back from New York last weekend and I watched, um, the entire season of Heartstoppers, which is oh, a British yeah. show on the plane. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was very adorable. And I definitely cried and like had to change my mask and, you know, <laughs> so it goes. um, but it like, one of the things that was really, cool about it is like all there's like the leads are like basically all queer characters Mm -hmm. um young high school students you know and like talking frankly about sexuality and sex and like the complications of like you know like but there isn't like there's a bi character which I was like I have rarely seen a bi character and the bi characters Um, coming out was really interesting in that the mom just assumed he was saying he was bi because he only liked men, but he's yeah. like, no, I, no, I genuinely am this. Yes. This is like who I am. And like yeah. this and like the parent reaction, I was like, I haven't yeah. seen a lot of parent reactions like that, that were also, I think, again, it's like this sort of normalizing of diverse experiences and like moments where like, you know, like you're like, oh, like that was a silly decision or why did you yeah. say that? But you're like, you need to feel it. You need to like, it feels more genuine and more real, I think in a way that like, you know, that that's possible. Like it's television has that possibility. Yeah. Media has that possibility, I think. And it's like, you know, like historically, like in TV, the landscape in network television was dominated by advertisers and like, the sort of conservative push of advertising to speak to this like imagined mm-hmm. homogenizing nation. Yeah. And it's still, I mean, that the advertisers still dictate a lot of sort of network television and, and possibly even what can be aired on network television, you know, advertisers pulling out of different things. And it's, it's, I mean, that definitely happened to Ellen when she was on television, but I guess my last question for you is what, I mean, I know you, you focus on history. I understand that, but I, I, with the recent sort of leak from the Supreme Court and the possible decision that is forthcoming, what, what impact do you see possibly it having on how television stories are told in, in the coming, because we're, it's a shift back historically to pre-1973 days. So how will that impact storytelling, do you think, on television? I mean, I, I guess we'll see, you know, I don't know. I, it's, you know, 
I know you and I both live in California. Yeah. Like it's a different, you know, like our, like the experience of a woman seeking an abortion in California is going to about to become, you know, it's already radically different than somebody in Texas, yeah. um, but like even more so. And I think that like, it's scary. And so I don't know, you know, like, I don't know how television will respond, but my, my like dream or my hope would be to see like increasing representations that are increasingly diverse, that speak to different race, gender, class experiences, experiences that differ based on sexuality, you know, based on gendered performance. Like, I think that would be like my hope. I don't know that it will come true, Um, but like to see this media be able to like push that conversation forward to like value and, you know, support like women along the entire spectrum of experiences Mm -hmm. Um, and to see that, you know, like without judgment and without that sort of like need to show uh, that I'm teaching a class right now on uh, climate change in media and, we talk, we've talked a lot about this sort of sense of like belief or desire to show both sides and like how that can be really problematic mm-hmm. um, for making a conversation that's like, right, like climate change is like, we know that it's happening. Yeah. Um, it makes it seem, one of my students sort of said, like, it makes it seem like it's like, um, like almost like a ghost or something, like something to believe in, you yeah. know, yeah. or call into being. And I think that there's something to this, that about this conversation too, to like, sort of stop presenting both sides as if they're equal in terms of like what I do with my body or what anyone does or has access to. And I think, you know, the, the fact that like suddenly geography, like more so right geography, class, race, all of these things are going to play into who has the ability to have a safe abortion because people are still going to abortions like we know that you know like you mentioned like Bridgerton right like Marina seeks out an abort like in a time where like it would have been extraordinarily dangerous oh yeah um and like even you know before 1973 it was extraordinarily dangerous Mm -hmm. um and so I think that like that sort of but but women still needed abortions and so to me I'm like it's just to move beyond this kind of like dichotomy of right and wrong. Just showing sort of like, you know, like stories told in Texas, for example, like there's a simple storyline of a woman having to leave Texas to receive health care, which can happen to a character. And in terms of just sort of telling both sides, in my opinion, it's like, well, that's not that's not a writer's job. I mean, it's a journalist's job, of course, but it's not a writer's job to necessarily write a show that shows both sides, write the show that tells your side, you're the writer. (laughs) That's. And I think it's also like this sense of, you know, everybody is entitled. That's like part of the like construction theoretically of the democracy that is the United States, but like that everybody is entitled to those to believe what they want to believe. And to me, it like comes back to this like sensibility, but you're not entitled you know, like I kept thinking about like, uh, you know, if you're entitled not to get a vaccine or to not wear a mask or to do all of, you know, these sort of things, like it seems odd that then to turn around and be like, but you can't do what you want 
with your own body. Like that seems such a profound invasion of my privacy and imposition of beliefs onto somebody who might disagree with you. As I said before, this is not a political show, but sometimes politics does sneak its way into pop culture. And when that happens, well, The Parting Shot is the place to have that conversation. Let me know your thoughts on today's episode on Twitter or on Instagram. You can find me at H. Allen Scott on everything. And thanks for listening to Newsweek's Parting Shot. If you liked what you just heard, please leave a little rating and review and maybe share it on social media. For more on the latest news and podcasts, head to Newsweek.com and follow Newsweek on all social platforms. Until then, watch something fun and have a great day. 